You are listening to ID On Demand, a podcast that explores the latest in the field of instructional design. I am your host, Dr. Joel Lewis Billingsley, an associate professor at the University of South Alabama. ID On Demand is your resource where professionals and experts share their path in various careers, all utilizing instructional design and innovative strategies. with just my students who were a part of my program with online learning. Um, they were already doing distance learning before. Well, since the pandemic, now that all students in the district are moving to online learning, it has definitely, I've been kind of shifted over to more the district use of online learning and how I can help support the district as they transition over to this new learning platform that is new for a lot of teachers. It's new for a lot of students. Many of our educators use technology. They're familiar with technology, but they're not familiar with having a whole curriculum based online without any of the face-to-face -face instruction inside of a school. So sort of taking us into um, understanding more about what that support looks like, could you talk to us a little bit about some of those supports and things and even challenges uh, you've had to face in your position? 
Sure. Um, our district actually developed a team. So it's not just me, it's a group of professionals that is actually helping to create the plan and implement the plan for our district. And this is comprised of directors, supervisors, teachers in our district that are going to provide that one on one support that our teachers, students and parents because parents are playing a big role in this now. And so it has allowed me as an instructional designer to be able to provide more input of more systematic programs that can be used or job aids that need to be create, created or suggestions for professional development to provide that instructional design side into K through 12 education as they're doing the transition. Wow, that sounds like a, a big task. So one of the things I'm, I keep hearing in the news and I keep hearing, you know, in stories is uh, the challenges that teachers are facing. Uh, and so what are some of the things in your role and in your team role um, that you're providing support for teachers? What type of support for teachers are you providing? Um, well, one is definitely professional development. Um, with the use of video conferencing, um, I've actually presented through WebEx and Skype to different teachers in our district on how to use these online learning platforms. And that has been very instrumental on helping the novice teachers and also the expert teachers be able to use it in a new capacity. And I think that's the key thing. They're, they're familiar with many of these things, but now we're using it in a different capacity in order to help our students during this time. So um, as it relates to students, what are some of the things that you're finding as a result of this shifting around that um, is requiring uh, you to be able to do with your team? Um, definitely with the students, it's really, they need to have a little bit more skills than what we, what we thought that they have, such as being independent workers. Um, because when you're working online and you don't have that teacher in front of you, instructing you or encouraging you every single day, they lose motivation. So trying to help teachers provide motivation in their instruction, flexibility, in their instruction and also um, lots of variety so that students don't think it's just mundane and they're just doing the same things over and over. So providing that differentiated instruction um, inside of the online learning platform. So this has caused us to look at how not only as an educator or a teacher how I develop it, but how are the students receiving it? And are they receiving it well? Are they adapting to this new transition of online learning? And because it is a different transition from what they are used to. So it's causing them to become more mature, become independent thinkers, and to use a set of skills that they may not have used as strongly inside of the classroom. What type of logistical um, challenges have you faced in terms of meeting the digital divide uh, and also with, um, with teachers and with students? I think the biggest issue is time. The turnaround was extremely fast for this. Um, so the district and districts across the state just did the best that they could with the time that they had as far as getting the information out to the students and the parents and the teachers. The teachers had to develop their 
their online learning platform in a short amount of time and just disseminating all of that information out to a district of our size was a, a challenge, but the district was able to do it and do it very well. And teachers and students have jumped on board. It may have taken a minute, but anything that's new, you're gonna have some hiccups. But I think this is really causing a shift in the way that we think that education should be. And it's causing us to look at education in a, in a bigger scope of pushing our students into a new way of learning and that they are capable of doing it. So this new way of education, what are some of the things that you're thinking need to be a part of that new way? Um, definitely professional development for the teachers, administrators, because they're playing a big part in this of staying on top of the students, knowing how to monitor the teachers in an online learning environment is different. Um, but you can still do observations, you can still do check-ins with teachers, but you're looking for different things now. So providing that professional development to them so that they know what they need to be looking for providing the professional development for the teachers in order to develop a effective online course. I think many of our teachers are using technology. They use flipped learning where they're assigning things for students to do at home, but it's completely different when you're having to actually create a whole curriculum for weeks that will last six weeks inside of an online learning platform. Are there any sort of key things in your instructional design, uh, teaching, development, your practice of instructional design that have been particularly helpful during this time? Um, I think so. I think instructional design has personally taught me to look at learning holistically. Um, not just to look at separate things, but figuring out how they all interact together. And I think that's the use of, use of those ID models to figure out how everything works together to make effective instruction. And I think doing the different steps in the instructional design model, even though in K through 12, we may not do every single step exactly, but I know that this transition has caused us to do a needs assessment. You know, we've had to look at how many students have computers. How many have internet? What home life are these students have that may hinder them? What are some motivational things that may work for high school students that are different than elementary? So it's really causing um, educators to take those instructional design steps that they may not always use exactly as an instructional designer does, but using those models and actually applying those to act to creating the curriculum, whether it's um, Morrison Ross Kemp model or the Sure model, these models are used all the time in K through 12 education. But I think with this transition to online learning, it's really causing them to be used more in a practical way on a teacher standpoint, because usually they're more used as far as the development part, but teachers are having to actually go through these steps and evaluate what they are doing um, with their curriculum and with the students' performance, are they performing? Do I need to go back and reteach? And trying to figure out how that works in the online learning. And I think that's where instructional design is really playing a key during this transition. And so you've mentioned professional development with the teachers. 
Mm -hmm. um, better preparing students for online learning, more independent learning. Are there other things that you've thought about um, as you've sort of been moving through the pandemic and, and working to try to support the team, support teachers and students that we you'd like for us to know about? other than professional development and uh, sort of student, student preparedness? Yes, I think another big area is best practices. So what are some good best practices that instructional designers can help educators with? Instructional design is looking at research-based strategies. You're, you're looking at all of those, how the brain works, the different ways that students learn and putting that all together to provide the best advice for teachers. And I think that's a key thing that instructional designers could help K through 12 education with, with online learning. Um, because that does require a different set of learning styles, a different set of learning theories that are being used in order to provide productive instruction for the students. So I would definitely say that. Also providing um, evaluation tools that can be used that are research-based evaluation tools for technology integration. I think that would be a great point to start with for teachers and administrators because in an online learning environment, they may not be familiar with exactly what they should be doing or looking for when it comes to online learning. So that would be another area of focus. Um, job aids, providing step-by-step -step instructions for teachers as they develop this would be a great asset um, to make sure that they are doing the right steps to, to design their instruction. And using some technology models, and I know in our district, we have a phenomenal instructional technology team. And so they're teaching teachers how to use the SAMR model on how to incorporate technology into the instruction effectively at different levels. Because all of our students, they're at different levels in the classroom and they're at different levels online. So actually figuring out how that technology can be differentiated online is a big thing because we have some students who are experts and some students who never even had to do a laptop at home. They're just used to their phones or a tablet, but not an actual laptop, which provides a different set of capabilities for them. Wow, those are some, some excellent, excellent tools you've mentioned. Um, what are the students doing if they don't have any technology? Um, well, I can speak for our district. Our district actually did a needs assessment which is phenomenal. They did a needs assessment with a survey to survey all of our students, and we're one of the largest districts in the state, on who has laptops, who has internet capabilities, and also who has um, cable to see live TV. And that's one of the other avenues that Mobile County is using is live television lessons in order to re we're trying to reach every single student that we can at the level that they are which is that's the instructional design mindset you're trying to reach everyone at where they are 
And so that needs assessment gave the district the information that they needed and they actually issued laptops out to students who may not have had one and also delivered hotspots out to students who did not have internet capability to try to make ensure that every student had an equitable learning experience as much as possible. Oh, that's so great to hear. That's so great to hear because we always think about, um, you know, what are those, how do we meet those challenges as it relates to the digital divide? Um, so let's talk a little bit about the field of instructional design. I mean, taking all these things that you talk to us about and that you've mentioned to us as tools that are being learned, that are being utilized uh, in your system and through your, your role and your teamwork. Uh, tell us a little bit about moving forward, uh, the role of the instructional designer in these settings. How important is that now? And what are some of the skills and competencies that we need to either, you know, affirm, like we need to, you know, enhance uh, or we need to learn? I think that this pandemic is showing the need for instructional design. So this is an awesome opportunity for instructional designers to really showcase what they can add to K through 12 education because they play a pivotal part. And I think one of the main things that instructional designers can add right now is curriculum building, curriculum development. Um, actually developing curriculums that districts and states can use if this happens to occur again. Because right now we don't know how long we're gonna be in this pandemic and we don't know if it will show up again. But if we already have curriculums prepared, developed, implemented, evaluated, we've seen what worked and what didn't work. So that if this does happens again, if this does happen again, we're able to effectively provide that instruction for all students in our district or state or nation. And so some of those skills in order to do that is definitely knowing what current technologies are used in education because there are what we call hot technologies that are being used right now, such as Nearpod and Flowcabulary. These are different things that mainly all teachers in the state or district are using and maybe incorporating some of the things that the students are familiar with when, they're, when the instruction designers are designing the curriculum would be an asset, not only to them to make it more effective, but to the students because they're familiar. They, they know how to use those things. So I know that our, our state provides a lot of assistance with professional development for teachers through this. So a lot of teachers have already been using different types of technology. So maybe figuring out how to incorporate those into the curriculum that instructional designers are building to increase motivation and make it more effective for the students. And also, since the teachers will be monitoring this, because teachers are still playing a role, they're still grading assignments, they're still having to do what they normally do. And if they're using technologies that they're familiar with, while this is going on, I think that will help also to get more teachers on board with the pandemic and the transition that we're having to go through. And going back to that, you know, swiftness that, that had it to happen with this, uh, what are some of the things as instructional designers we need to be able to do in order to move that fast and be able to be uh, adapt to the, the new environment? Um, I definitely think being understandable. Um, it was a, 
some people were very frustrated, some people were very excited um, because they got to showcase all the things that they could do. So I definitely think being understandable and flexible during this time and figuring out as an instructional designer, I'm not designing this for myself, I'm not designing this for a paycheck, I'm designing this for students. And that has been our main focus in our district is it's about the students. We've got to do what works best for them. We've got to cater the instruction to make sure that they are effective. So instruction designers kind of have to put on that teacher mindset, I think is what we might want to call it, and think, is this going to be successful for the students? and the conditions that they are in right now. Because some of them, their, their, their home life may not be the best or they're having to be stretched between different households because of quarantine. And so we have to keep all of those things in mind. So just being flexible and knowing that whatever is best for the students at this time, that's what we need to do. What are some dynamics around teaming uh, that we need to really think about? Because I hear you saying uh, your district has created an environment around teams and mm -hmm. how can we all work together? What do we need to sort of think about as instructional designers as it re relates to teamwork and building that community? Um, I think definitely having different people on your team from all different areas, all different grade levels, all different subject areas. And I also think also different expertise levels. I think it's important that you have that novice teacher who may not know as much on your team so that they can provide that, you know, extra addition to these are things you need to do to reach these types of teachers. So having a team with a variety of people on it and having a team that works together and I keep saying it and going back to that, making the goal of that team, it's about the students. Let's get me out of the way, but it's about the students. And I think if you focus on that and we focus on what our main goal is, that team will definitely be productive. And we have been blessed with video conferencing abilities right now that has allowed all of us, even in this quarantine, to be able to collaborate we're using Skype or whether it's WebEx or Zoom and still being able to collaborate just like before, sharing ideas, sharing our screens. So we're still seeing what each other is seeing. And, and so I think that has been very instrumental with going forward as instruction designers is still trying to provide that face-to-face -face interaction, that collaboration among the, the teachers, educators, administrators in order to develop a plan that's gonna work best for the students. Wow, that, that's fantastic. I mean, teaming is so important. Thank you for sharing those best practices that you all are utilizing. Um, are there any sort of major high points, uh, Dr. Tucker, that we need to think about um, as we think about instructional design um, shifting in this pandemic? What are, what are some of the things and key takeaways uh, you have for us? Um, a few takeaways. I've kind of already said them again, but um, I think the main thing is remembering what we're doing this for, which is for the students. And as instructional designers, we need to know our role is an asset right now and that we can be that missing link that many districts or states need right now in order to provide the, um, to solidify their instruction, to make sure that it is an effective type of instruction. We don't just want to throw things out to students, but we want to make sure that it's doing 
the goal that it was set out to do, making sure um, that it aligns to the state standards so that we know that the standards have been met, the objectives have been met. And so I think those would be the main things as instructional designers that we need to figure out how to find our niche in this new pandemic. And right now, we are definitely needed as instructional designers during this time in K through 12 education. Excellent, excellent. So we're gonna start taking a few questions from the chat right now. Um, so uh, you mentioned a few models there. Um, would you kind of, are there are some key models that we need to sort of, I know you said them, but maybe are there a few that you're, that you're utilizing now? Um, I think the main one is the SAMR model. SAMR, okay. S-A-M-R, which helps teachers integrate technology effectively. And it has different levels in which students can integrate technology in, the, in ways that teachers can also integrate technology into their classroom. And I think it's very important going back to that needs assessment, knowing the level that your students are at. So you may know that some of my students are in the S, which stands for substitution. That may just be where they are right now. They can just type a document and that's about all they're gonna do with technology. But then you also have some that are more towards the um, redefinition side, which is the more experienced side that is, that is actually um, doing a Skype and making a blog of their findings from their Skype. So providing that differentiated instruction inside of the online, online classroom using the SAMR model, I think that is definitely one model that instruction designers can use. Teachers are very familiar with that one. So if they are providing professional development or providing tips, that is a good one to reference back to for educators. Excellent. We have another question from Ashley. Do you think there will be a place for online learning outside of the classroom from the school district after the students return to the physical classroom? Um, I definitely think so. What we're noticing um, in our district is students are enjoying this. Some students are very successful at it, and but it's also good to remember online learning is not the best type of learning for every single student. But some students are excelling. They love the flexibility. They love that they can do their work in their pajamas. They love that they can do their work anytime, anywhere, at their own speed. And these will be your learners that are your independent thinkers anyway. So they are enjoying this. So I think this may push you know, us to rethink the way that we provide different instruction for our students and providing more opportunities even after the pandemic is over for online learning. I know in our district we have Envision Virtual Academy which is an online program for high school students and so they've been doing this the whole year and so this pandemic was nothing different for them but now that other students have jumped on board with the online learning I think it's going to cause educators and districts and administrators to provide more opportunities for these students because they do see how successful they can be in it or providing a blended learning environment for them where they're partially online but still have that face-to-face -face interaction. And uh, Dr. Zha has a question is will that continue online uh, in terms of for the summer? Are you thinking about summer instruction online as a result of what's happening? 
We're currently, we're just waiting on instruction from the State Department on how things are going to move along with opening up the state, and that will make that decision. We do always provide summer school for the students, but now we're having to really think outside the box of if students are not able to come to a brick and mortar school, what are some opportunities that we could still provide for them? And one could be online learning for summer school, but that that is a decision that has to be made once the state makes their decision. Okay, we have a, a, a question from J, JW. How are instructional designers preparing for digital learners in the arts? And is there an emphasis mostly being placed on core curricular or, or how are we thinking about other things like the arts? That's a great question too. That is a great question. And I think people who think like you are the ones who are gonna make the difference in that. Yes, the focus is on the core subjects of English, math, science, and social studies, but we, with our district, um, all of our teachers actually had to create a Google Classroom that provides instruction for our students. That is the PE teacher, the band teacher, the art teacher, the dance teacher. They're even having to record themselves doing these activities, playing their instruments, and putting that into Google Classroom. So I think it's really redefining how we are going to do instruction from this point forward and providing more learning opportunities for our students that yes, you can still go to a face-to-face -face classroom, but you can still do these other online learning opportunities at the same time to enhance your learning experience. So I think if we have more people who focus on the arts and actually put them to the forefront and say that they need the same opportunities as core subjects, that it will help to increase that level inside of the districts and the states. But I know I can't speak for other districts, but our district, the arts, they had to do the same thing as a core teacher. Yes, and I'm seeing uh, in our chat that we have, uh, we have, I know we have uh, Anna as a dance teacher and uh, Paige is uh, Dr. Vatuli's daughter as teaching dance. And so uh, we, the arts are so important to mm -hmm. us. Um, and I also see um, eFoots is saying elementary music is being taught. So mm -hmm. um, what do you think about all these different mediums that typically we maybe didn't think could be taught uh, in this way? Um, what, how has that opened up the horizon for instructional designers in the arts and in other areas that are typically taught in person? Right. I think it's, it's causing us to redefine education. Things that we did not think were possible or did, we did not think was going to be the best fit for students. We're learning that when you don't have a choice, it's going to be the best fit. And right now, it has become the best fit. And the arts is pivotal for student motivation because that's why some of these kids come to school is they, they love art, they love band, they love playing their instrument, they love singing in the choir. So still providing those students with that, even in this online learning system that we're in is, is very important. And I think if once this pandemic is over, it may open up the horizon to more online learning opportunities for the arts that can be done outside of even the classroom. So uh, April has a question for you. Um, in terms of the district, are you thinking about uh, digital learning days that could be built into the academic calendar, for example, uh, where they would learn um, not on site? Is that an option that's come up um, in terms of how to move forward? Um, I'm guessing that's in reference to the teachers. 
learning. Okay. Also- I mean, I guess of just sort of what type of di- you know digital digital learning days are there ways that you know this could be incorporated throughout the uh, regular year. Um, well, I know many teachers already use an online learning platform in their classroom to supplement what they do during the regular day. So that that won't change. And I think actually this will cause teachers to use it more because yeah. they understand that students are familiar with it and they see that students can do it. And so I think that will be a, a great thing to continue doing. And this also is showing in our district we have a instructional technology team that provides professional development throughout the year regardless. Mm-hmm. So many of our teachers in our district have been trained on Google Classroom. They've been trained on Nearpod and Flipgrid and all these different technologies that the, the teachers are using right now. So they are able to do that throughout the year with professional development days or um, right now to even helps to help teachers during this quarantine we have our instructional technology team that is doing online professional development with technology so there's opportunities at any time for teachers and i think this will also open up teachers to use it more in their classroom so that students can get those same opportunities i don't know if it'll be a set day that students would use it because every teacher is going to have their autonomy to do it when it's best fit for them in their classroom but i do think it's going to push teachers to use it more because they do understand how effective it can be for students what are some discussions around cell phones now? I mean, I know a lot of students do have cell, not all, but a lot of them do have cell phones. I'm wondering if this provides a, a, a different format for the use of that in, in, the ed, in education. Do you have any thoughts about mobile learning as it relates to cell phones? Um, yes. Well, currently in our district, we, use, we allow students to, we call it the BYOD policy bring your own device and they bring cell phones and they can use them in the classroom. And I think this is another key thing for instructional designers. When you're designing something, make sure that it is compatible to be used on a cell phone. Many of our students have cell phones and they have tablets, but they don't necessarily have a desktop computer or a laptop computer. That's not a necessity anymore in the household when you have an iPad. So making sure that those different curriculums and technologies that instructional designers are using in their instruction is compatible, I think is going to be key. Um, Because right now there are some students that are using their cell phone to do their Google Classroom work, which they're able to do that because the teacher has made it to where she's using activities that are compatible with the cell phone. Excellent. So we have sort of a question. Any other questions before we uh, wrap up or any uh, thoughts from you, Dr. Tucker? We're sort of want to wrap up this discussion. This has been so enlightening for us to hear from you. Um, You know, we're so grateful to our teachers, our educators for, uh, you know, really just adapting to this crisis uh, and helping our students continue to learn. And it's so critical to us uh, as communities and in society to be able to continue this work. And so we appreciate everything that all of our educators are doing and that you've been able to share with us today. Uh, are there any other questions? I don't see any other in the, in the chat. Um, any last words, Dr. Tucker? Um, yes, I would love to give a charge to instructional designers to reach out to a district. 
and just ask them, what do you need help with? Um, maybe that the districts may not know what they need help with because they're not looking at things from an instructional design perspective, but actually reaching out to them, providing your expertise to them, I think is going to help build that divide and help bring instructional designers into the field of education more. Well, there you have it. We have a charge uh, <laughs> to make sure, make sure that we're reaching out to the districts. Thank you so much. What a wonderful charge for us to sort of wrap this discussion up with. Thank you so much, Dr. Tucker, for your time, your expertise, and all the things you're doing with your district. Um, we are excited to be able to continue this conversation every Friday at noon. Uh, we'll be sending out our next guest, which will be EJ LeBlanc, and he will be talking with us on, in terms of entrepreneurship as it relates to instructional design and many other um, fun and wonderful things that he's doing during this pandemic. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, this is something that we're really excited to be able to communicate create this community to talk about instructional design and on demand. So thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. And thank you again, Dr. Tucker. We appreciate you. Thank you. If you'd like more information about instructional design a program at the University of South Alabama, uh, please see our website. We'd love to actually share more information about the master's and doctoral program. Thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.